Welcome to the Wizards of Dabs podcast, where we interview the creators of various decentralized applications in the Web3 ecosystem. We learn about how they are built and the insights that come from shipping. And we're your co-hosts. I'm Peter. And I'm Bethany. Welcome back to this week's episode of Wizards of Dabs podcast. We talked to Brian Flynn of formerly Dapper Labs and now Jam Community Token. So essentially, he was working on his newsletter, which is, you know, what he's mostly known for in this space. But then, you know, one day after, like, promoting, like, a crypto airdrop, he's kicked off, you know, uh, off of Stripe and Substack in, in a way. And so he, he couldn't get paid by his subscribers anymore. So, you know, being the genius he is, he thought, you know, why don't I decentralize the ownership and management of my newsletter to the community? So that is what the Jam token is is and it's been a chaotic ride so far and so we basically talked to brian here about his experiences and what he's learned and the challenges of like a community token once again thank you to 1kx for sponsoring this podcast so how's it like running your first community call such an awkward experience <laughs> i was like fuck i want people to do things how do i get people to do things <laughs> Like, do I just throw money at them and there's jam token? Do they do things? I don't know. <laughs> it's a pretty good question. Fucking hilarious, man. It's been working, I think. There's a few people who want to do this. That's enough to kickstart it. Yeah, I mean, you only need like four or five people like actually doing things. That's, fuck, man, I don't know how I get to like the level of whale. I jump in that Discord yesterday and they're just having a fucking live radio <laughs> with 30 people in it. I was like, what? Someone's just streaming music out of their fucking computer and getting 30 people in it. That's insane. Whip meetup. Last week, there was no whip. I'm not sure how to describe it, but there was like a live Discord broadcasting of an already recorded episode of me and Jimmy <laughs> on Wizard of Daps. I got pinged. What the hell is going on? Like, I got tagged in Discord. I go to it. I think Jimmy or Sandra is just rattling people up. Everyone type, shout out to Wizard of Daps. Everyone's just like 20, 30 people are like writing that out and tagging me. I'm like, holy crap, this is insane. That's incredible. It's like a gladiator ring. The Empress just like, yes, no, everyone rolls. It's like, ah. They're so engaged. It's incredible. I don't know how they do it. How do we get there? I don't want to be on that level, you know? They haven't been uh, brain damaged by DeFi yet. The dopamine receptors are still fresh, untouched. The incredible thing about like that NFT community is that they truly believe they're in the metaverse, living day to day in the metaverse, you know. They feel like they're working to get like the money, bring it back, and then like go for a lunch break and like just be in the real world. That's like what the majority of NFT people do. I feel like you do have to lop a bit right now for in all areas of crypto, right? It's kind of like DeFi, yield farming, Ponzi schemes. This seems interesting. And then with like the metaverse, of course I'm wearing these digital shoes. The thing that always like impressed me about like the NFT space, like when I worked at Dapper, was that because there's such low liquidity in a lot of the items, like in a lot of the NFTs themselves, there's more retention, right? In the people who actually hold the tokens themselves, right? So you can build stronger community ties because of that. It's like you actually have to use the asset and give it utility in order to like have that community there. And you don't get the same type of community 
and infungible tokens because people are just looking at charts and prices all day and not actually using it in some of the capacity, right? So I always thought the NFT space was like five years ahead of like actual like DeFi infungible tokens in terms of like doping community, which is kind of why I think that a lot of like the NFT social tokens, like meme or whale or coin are, are doing pretty well kind of in that capacity, right? It's really hard to spring clean your NFT inventory. It's really expensive as well. <laughs> $5 transfer. It's really expensive, yeah. So you're stuck with it. What do you do? And I had this fun game, which I used to play on like spider decks. It's like an NFT marketplace where I would just look up random NFTs, price randomly from different projects. And I would use that to like reverse discover different projects. Wait, what is spider decks? Where are all these NFT marketplaces just like coming out of nowhere in the last two months? It's been around for a while, but it's definitely one of the less known ones. They framed it, like, it kind of looks like Miniclip back in 2005 or six or seven. Miniclip is the best. Flash game sites, it's got some cartoon graphics, it's flashy kind of squares, or they're trying to like grab your attention. I'm sure most people have seen you around, but you're mostly known for the newsletter that you write. I started writing that newsletter because I have a really hard time just explaining my own thoughts clearly to someone. So I was like, well, maybe if it helps if I start writing my ideas, I can have it better. I can explain it much more clearly. I kind of like started doing it as like a single player activity. And then I was like, I can use it for like generating ideas by just keep writing this newsletter. And in this space, that's like really crowded with ideas and, and really there's a lot of noise going on. It's a really good exercise to just help me like think clearly and then start communicating about like kind of like trends or topics with like kind of others in the space. I made a pact to myself two years ago. I was like, I want to write this thing every single week for the next five years. How do I hold myself accountable to that? Like what, like, like there's no way to actually hold myself accountable unless like I have subscription or something where people like can pay say monthly or everything like a Substack subscription. Accountability. Yeah, and have some sort of accountability there. But it like it, it felt weird at the time just like getting people to pay me for like my own thoughts, like like a single player activity. Well, this doesn't feel right, like for someone to just like pay for like my random brain thoughts. It's like OnlyFans, but for your ideas. Yeah, essentially. <laughs> it kind of evolved into just like, well, me really trying to figure out how to have better price discovery like through my own thoughts that's a really good way to frame it price discovery for your own ideas and thoughts if i write more ideas and give people really good ideas then you know, people would be willing to pay more for that right and if i stop writing then people can sell or you know do whatever they want with it that's probably like a year ago and then i eventually left dapper kind of earlier this year and then i was like okay well i really need to figure out what this thing is and then I renamed it to Jam Session. It was kind of like improv. Like, I, like my, my writing process is I just like sit down on a Sunday and just like write two hours straight and then just like hit publish without like editing it too much. Well, maybe I'll just have them just like try to get a whole community kind of built around this. So I changed the name and then started to get more people involved and kind of from that moment was really trying to figure out, okay, how do I build a, a social token around this? It really wasn't until like, I saw Karma DAO and I realized, like, holy shit, there's like a lot of interesting things you can do around social tokens. And then that's kind of when I started taking it seriously. You created a token, called it Jam. Actually, first you rebranded it. What was the rebranding before then? 
it was nifty news because I was just writing about NFTs at the time. But then I like stopped writing about NFTs and I'm just like, why am I, why is this called nifty news if it's not about NFTs? Bradley from Roll, he was a reader of Jam for like over a year and kept telling me to create a token as like a Roll token. And I was like, all right, you know, fine, I'll, I'll create this Roll token. So I didn't actually use it four or five months after, like it was originally created, which was pretty interesting. The first time I actually started taking it seriously when I was like, okay, well, I want people to use the token to access the newsletter. So the first time where you put up some liquidity on Uniswap, you get a bunch of like Uniswap snipers where people are just like, they're watching the contract and, and they see like a new token and they just start buying it rapidly, even though like in August, they just didn't know what it was. And I didn't even announce anything at the time. But then a couple of days later, I like did initial announcement and the rural team usually provides some liquidity to, to help with the token itself. And all of a sudden, the token like starts you know, being really volatile, and it was really scary. I didn't know what to do. So that was honestly one of the scariest moments of my life. It was like a thousand tokens to access the newsletter, and like the top price, it was like eight hundred bucks to access the newsletter. You know, it's like a really expensive newsletter for my own thoughts. Things are better now. So two months later, really tr- just trying to figure out like how do I build like a sustainable social token with like me doing one specific job in the community, me writing a newsletter and being like the record keeper. This is like ancient Greece, right? And I'm like that record keeper who's just trying to keep track of history. And anything that goes on, people don't actually acknowledge what goes on unless you know someone writes about it. My role is like, okay, well, I'll use my newsletter and my distribution to like keep track of like what we're doing. You know, someone can look back in six years and be like, okay, well, this is what the community did five or six years ago on this specific day. And so I kind of like changed my newsletter to that angle itself. And then I was like, okay, well, this specific newsletter can, you know, can help bring new people into the ecosystem and really provide some initial utility for it. Everyone else has to kind of figure out what their role is. Now it's to the point where like, we're trying to figure out what everyone's role is in the community. Like if I'm the scribe, like, Who's the treasury manager? Who's the marketing person? Who's like the digital artist? How do we coordinate around that to like further the jam brand in itself? So you kind of launched a token. You didn't really know what would happen. You stormed the beaches and selling gunfire. You're like, what the hell is going on? There's bots that once they identify like pools of certain liquidity minimum, there's actually bots that scan for new markets, right? And if there's like at least minimum, like say 10 ETH or something like that, they go and just instant buy it. They create these pretty skewed like new token launches generally. You didn't even release it and people were buying and speculating with it. So that was fascinating. It's out of your control. It's kind of having random people in your house just like rummaging through it and like trading, right? <laughs> and you're like, what are you doing? The dust settled and a bunch of community members have your token, mostly bought from the Uniswap. So what was the first step, I guess? Like, and what made you continue onwards from then? You already like distributed the token right then. But what was the initial thinking behind okay, people now have the token, what next? When you have a token, it's a very permanent feeling. It's kind of like you have these handcuffs <laughs> and you're trying to like just make do with it, right? This is why I actually um, pulled liquidity from Magic. I had a puzzle token. Process in point, I'm like getting too far ahead. It's going to pull the plug on this. I figured like, okay, well, if my mission, my newsletter was to have price discovery for my own thoughts or for my own ideas and i really need to like carry through with this and, and find a way to make this work the big problem here was that you know with the role distribution model 
I had 80% of the token supply, there was really no point for me to actually like get demand for my own token, right? There was no reason for me to accept payment of it because I had too much of it. <laughs> so, you know, people just, you just try to just give it away in that scenario, right? I want to accept payment for people reading the newsletter. I don't want people just to have just like tokenized access. I don't want people just to keep it in their wallet. So I was like, okay, well, how do we actually have like cash flow like, you know, coming into Jam in itself? But first I needed to figure out, okay, well, what is the reason for me to accept it as payment? But if there's only 2,000 liquidity in a liquidity pool, it's going to be hard for people. There's like all these problems. It's like a big one giant puzzle that's both like these psychological things. How do you create cash flow? How do you create liquidity? If no one thinks your token's uh, valuable, no one's going to provide liquidity to earn it. That creates like a downward price pressure if people are farming it and selling it. And that's like a consideration. You almost like spring up this like these problems that need to be balanced. One of the interesting things you did was like give out, give back most of the tokens, all of it, except for like a thousand, which is like a tiny amount. There's like 10,000 jam tokens or 10 million or. Yeah, it was 10 million. The first thing I did, you know, after the whole initial launch was I distributed tokens to people who were paying subscribers to, to Jam Session. It was a way for me to get like Substack subscriptions, like revenue, right? And then also like people, like my loyal subscribers at Jam. Of course, Stripe didn't like that at all, right? And the Stripe ended up cutting me off in a couple of weeks. What did Stripe do? You were selling personal tokens OTC via your <laughs> newsletter? No, 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 no. People were, at the time, were paying for subscription, right? So they were paying for the content, right? But I was like, similar to like RIC, what you did for like his Patreon or like Twitch, and his Twitch subscribers, right? I was like, I'll give some jam tokens for, you know, loyal subscribers, right? I mentioned in the newsletter and Stripe was like, we're not a crypto payment processor. So I woke up to an email one day and they're just like, yeah, we're, we'll, we'll no longer be processing your payments. And then I was like, okay, I guess it's time to move off Substack. So just next week, I just like packed my bags. I didn't know that was a motivation. Oh, wow. Like you're being very adventurous. I was planning to leave anyway. <laughs> I'm out of here. Like, like I'm sick of this place. An acceleration. Yeah. So that was like kind of the first thing, right? That was the first moment when, when I, you know, of Outpost, right? Like Sam's project, kind of like Web3 Substack. So I started writing there. Sam was like, his project was just like, it was just him at the time. And it was, it was just like a very rudimentary product. So I'm just like, hey, like, let me help you with design and help you, you know, get this product in the right place. I can just like move my thing here ASAP. And so I started working with Sam. You know, we used to mark that like a similar to a Substack looking page. And then I've been hosting my you know, content there since. And then back to this other problem, you know, trying to figure out how to have cash flow coming into Jam to make it um, interesting way to have more better price discovery for the content itself. What I ended up doing was it doesn't make sense for me to have 80% of the token supply. So I'm just going to put it in a treasury that community members themselves can you know, vote on kind of like how it's used, right? And then sort of my thinking was that like they can basically decide how much I should be paid. I shouldn't be deciding how many tokens I have. Like if you're the creator, like you should have your community decide, right? Because like they're the ones like supporting your thing in the first place. So yeah, that's what I did. <laughs> so how did the community respond? This happened like all in, in like two days. I basically like decided like in like one afternoon like I'm doing this. And then I like started transferring all the funds you know, a couple hours later. And then people were just like, what are you doing here? Like, this is really random. Is everything okay? <laughs> kind of thing. Just like, no, it's, it's fine. It's just 
the reason why I can imagine why people would say like, is everything okay? And you're giving a ton of like control up to the goal in the community. And that could also be seen as also like, I'm out of here. Some other community members that I really trust are you know, really good friends of mine are you know, multi-sig signers here. I transferred all the phones to, to multi-sig with nine signers. And then basically gave an expectation where I basically have to earn how much I should be paid. And then also, you know, others in the community, I've already been paying them for do things on the Jamaica system, but like, you know, why is it up to me to decide like how much they should be paid, right? If it's like a community token, why should role have 12% kind of in that case? I was telling them that they should decide how much they should be paid, right? If they're actually you know, providing value kind of in that context. It never makes sense in like initial token distribution. Like, why does the creator decide how much to get paid like the community i mean if it's rational i would say right they should basically decide like what the value of things are worth right it was a really interesting experiment to basically figure out and you might even be mispricing yourself through the traditional uh method right yeah totally it's interesting you went this way because the community can decide and they can also pay you more. And the ultimate test would be like to look at the cash flow worth Substack versus maybe six months later with this new model. And if you're both even say earning parity to the like amounts that you were earning before, but have the community engaged, have this collective uh, ownership, that's like a way better win. That's 10x better outcome. You could probably see how much value the newsletter has been bringing in based off the number of holders who have a thousand jam to access the newsletter. So you can say, hey, you know, there's like however many holders, like say there's 200 holders with, with this number of jam, like, like that's, yeah, it can probably most likely be Brian's like contribution sort of like in this amount. Community obviously can, can change that parameter so if you want to say you know it's worth like 500 tokens tomorrow or 2000 tokens they can probably do that what i'm really excited about is still figuring out how to have cash flow inside the newsletter and then figure out new models to bring cash flow into the treasury so it's not so much just like having outflows to community members for like doing their actions but like how, how do we actually bring in revenue like as a treasury what sam is working on kind of like super fluid integration subscriptions and that side of things, like there's a real possibility that like sort of feels a lot like a traditional media business where you know you have like your YouTube, your Snapchat, your Instagram, or across different mediums, and like each of those are bringing in like their own like specific mediums. You have like people controlling each of them, right? And kind of managing each of them. You've essentially like created turn or turn jam into this co-op, effectively. Yeah. And you know, you spun up Discord, people started talking about what should be done. You barely had any jams in my first proposal. It's just like in the discussions, you should get more jam. You should. My point of view as like subscriber and like consumer of this news and the writing is I want the best quality content. You know, you might not write any quality content if you're not well incentivized for it. I'm incentivized to like push for like heavy, for like a decent kind of uh, outcome. Basically, if the newsletter does really well, you know, you should also do really well as well, like monetarily, socially, every, every, in every way possible. Yeah. And it's like in my best interest, both as a token holder as well as like a reader, to like make that happen. Because if you get, there's this like positive some cycle here that happens, right? It's like you're rewarded, you get you're more motivated, you do better. It's like and so on. I get to read better content. So that's like me acting very rationally, right? At least how I think of it. You know, we were talking about like how much tokens you should get investing in and how long. It's funny that there's just no guidelines for like a newsletter or like what is the upside and potential in like a newsletter, right? How far can it go? 
normally these these kind of things determine things such as you know in a, in a startup example or token network like how how much founders should get for vesting and how long it should be vesting and like locked up for it's kind of like faster pace but it's just kind of funny and like so nice and like no clue <laughs> yeah no it, it was a really weird it was a really weird feeling waking up last week and you know people started just i think you started this conversation but you just started talking about like how much i should be paid and just like seeing people just talk about like what your salary should be in a very like transparent way is like a really weird feeling but also incredible right it's like like that is the goal here like like we we should be more transparent around like how much we're we're being paid and then kind of like you know figuring out like is this the right value that we'd be paying like is there certain metrics that they're that they're bringing that that you know increase the value in some capacity I think those are like really interesting questions. So like as you know, Jamos was starting to move along, like they should be kind of exploring. But one thing, one thing this like you know, you've seen me kind of struggling with it right now. <laughs> it's like trying to figure out like I don't know, I don't know whether Jamos or Australians are like going the DAO route. Are they eventually just going to be a full out DAO, or are they going to be more like a traditional like like media like co op and just you know have like one specific unit of of the business, right? Because at a certain point, like, you know, like that, that treasury might have multiple tokens in the treasury, right? Not just TAM and ETH, right? And then, you know, does it become a DAO from there? And then, I don't know. I, that's that's kind of like, it's like one unknown. It's a good point. It can really do whatever it wants. It's an empty treasury, right? It could just focus and jam scale that, or it could even like do well and then decide to like publish other newsletters, right? And, and become some of this like weird internet publishing house well this is actually like one of my thoughts right now is if this is a newsletter co-op thing right and this is you know if we're trying to have price discovery for the outpost then like what if you couldn't invest in other writers and give them a loan in jam right and to start publishing on jam session and they basically have to like you know they get the distribution because like they all like generally has that readership but then like you could basically just invest in new writers by by them publishing on jam session and then eventually earning back depending on how much the cash flow they're generating back to the treasury right i mean there's a lot of technical details work out obviously but it's the idea that you know you can have people leverage your distribution similar to like you know having guest posts and bank lists or something but it's something that's much more transparent much more verifiable on chain sort of in that capacity i mean yeah most paid newsletters it's there's like the reason why they have great guest posts that's because like it's not just one person guy or girl like or oh it's wednesday already or like it's sunday it's like i gotta churn out this new newsletter it's kind of like often like you know giving giving really interesting people a platform and a voice right and then giving them something on top right to kind of motivate them and it becomes this like really powerful thing because you just have another you have shot off the shot right through these subscriptions and that's a nice thing about cash flow businesses as well, right? You know, you can spend what you bring in and it's it's a nice kind of uh, feedback loop. I suggest, hey, we're talking about these issues. Let's like jump on a quick sync. And a bunch of people jumped on the community call to discuss various topics. Yeah, I mean, I mean, most most people in the Jamstack community like have been, you know, readers for a long time. We're just like feeling interested in the ideas and I've probably interacted with like, most of them like here or there. You know, I never like talked to them personally um but it, you know it's it, it was interesting it was interesting seeing how many people cared about just like my own like what originally started as just like, my own brain <laughs> <laughs> i was like i don't know some people cared about my brain 
it was like a really interesting feeling, right? Like going from like, you know, this sort of this like personal token to like the kind of this community token. It's like, it's so much less about me and so much more about like kind of the community, right? When I had this community call, I was telling you this, but like, it was just really awkward. <laughs> it was just really awkward because it was just like, it was, it was the first community call before we were like, okay, well, like, what are we going to do about, you know, all these, all this 4 million jam in the treasury? Like, what, what are we going to do about it? And it's like, there's no like playbook that like you have for like a social token treasury, right? It's like, I, I could open up my textbook and like, start studying, you know? It's just like, all right, well, let's figure out how to just like, you know, bring money into this thing and also like pay people out. Like you're just like your basic balance sheet, right? Get back to the basics, right? And so, you know, Shreyas, who's like really thankful to have him in the community. He's a, uh, he's a really smart guy. Uh, but he, he has some finance background. So, you know, I, I was talking to him and he, he started whipping up a, um, a treasury proposal with, with some just to kind of like project some runway for the treasury. But uh, yeah, he's, he spent a lot of time on that, just trying to you know figure out how much we can afford to, to pay people in jam and also, you know, start trying to figure out how, how to bring money to the treasury as well. It's fascinating. It starts to feel like a college club, you know, <laughs> it's like you have like your budget, like, like you're in your college club <laughs> and then like, like your student council is just trying to appoint different people. And then it's like, what is that really like dumb thing that's going to bring in money? Whether it's like a fundraiser, or, like a t-shirt, <laughs> right? Uh, yeah. No. <laughs> like, yeah. You know what I mean? It's like, it's like you're, you're trying to make like $200 as a student club. But here, you know, you're, you know, there's 4 million jam at stake, like a much different, not even different scale, just so different, right? And like, more digitally native. I don't know. It's, it, it's a crazy concept. It's an internet treehouse. Yeah. Internet treehouse. Exactly. <laughs> and then it's like, what lemonade can we sell? Bring cash flow. It's like NFTs are the lemonade stand, right? Yeah, that's fascinating. So, you know, you wrote you wrote Nifty News because you wanted to share your own thoughts. I guess I was intrinsically like motivated. So why are you exploring the social token space and why is like Jam important? Yeah, no, that, that's, a, that's a really good question. So, I mean, so, so when I originally started, I really started with NFTs, right? Because I, I was just trying to build my own brand, right? Really just trying to make a name for myself, like, you know, the playbook for a lot of creators is usually just to pick a niche, um, like become the expert in that niche, right? Like grow your following and then just try to expand from there, right? I, I quickly kind of hit that point with NFTs, at least I felt like, where like I kind of like maxed out my level on it. If you want to like use those terms, right? And then I was like, all right, well, I have to like get my other levels up, right? So I, I started, you know, exploring more like, you know, DAO stuff, DeFi stuff. I, I kind of just, like lost some some following there. But I like, you know, my goal the entire time was to just better learn for myself, right? It was never to like be an influencer. I, I call this like the crater trap where it's like, you, you can rise to fame very quickly by being very good at something and the people knowing you for that one thing. But eventually like you're going to be sick of like being that one person, right? I think a lot of TikTok stars actually fall into this one category where it's like, like they might be known for a very specific dance or a very specific thing. And they, they always overdo it. They always overdo it to the point. Right, exactly, right? So, like, I don't know, it's, like, this a really weird, like, dance move or something or, like, a cup on their head or, like, like a pong shot. Have you seen uh, Baba Babooey, that, um, like, the, the trend where it's, like, the sky? I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> uh, Babooey was, like, uh, you can search it up. It's really, really dumb. Like, you can't really even explain how dumb it is. It's not even, it's like a meme, I guess, right? But there's many memes on TikTok, and usually there's a cycle of like someone gets famous because of it. They double down. It's kind of really funny, 
And then, you know, there's this lull where like it becomes not funny and the comments visibly kind of like start attacking the creator for like overdoing it. Right. There's two pathways for the creator. You know, stop doing it and then they become even, they get famous or like they become the creator that wants to keep chasing fame when they really just didn't really care at all in the beginning. Or they keep doing it and they double down even more and then they revive the meme. Yeah, I mean, it, it's a problem for like a lot of like, like celebrities and actors and actresses as well right who's like right right you know people who are, who are like disney channel stars right and they want to like break out of like being known as a disney channel star right is like one example there right in a very similar context like to me like i, I didn't want to just be known as like the nft person because i wanted to like you know, in different areas like what is my identity like as my brand right it's a really weird question that i think a lot of like quote-unquote creators like try to figure out like what is their brand right but then eventually i just became like more and more into this idea of you know, like, how do I just have like better price discovery for for my writing, right? And and how I make this more sustainable for you know other other writers and, and creators alike. So, you know, fast forward to the session, you know, really just trying to figure out like what is the best like template for, for writers to actually move to Web three and how to monetize and move off from Substack, and then like what are those other templates, you know, that might make sense for people who want to move like from traditional Web two platforms to to Web three also. I mean, an interesting thought experiment might even be like for our post to, you know, maybe it's like for every post, you know, the whole post is like basically encrypted or hidden, right? But for every token you have, it unlocks one word, you know, so if you only have 300 tokens, it only shows 300 words. Uh, but if you have like a thousand, thousand words shown, like it's kind of like directly proportional, right? And the idea here would be like, it's actually literally pricing your words. How valuable, you know, per token or per word is your writing actually worth? Because if I knew that I could just get most of the gist, like from the first 300 words, like just buy 300 tokens. But if it was like actually really, really, really bad. I mean, this is one example, right? Because you can just like dump everything at the end. Right. Yeah. I mean, the incentives would just be for the writer, just like, you know, just press like the B key down a hundred times and just have all spam rewriting. Right. Right. I mean, that's one example, but like the other way is just like, look like the whole you only like can unlock it if you have this many tokens and this according to like right, right. what limit. and that would kind of force you to like the question like what is actually the real value of writing because there's shock clickbait but then there's like real substance right and real substance like helps people do things better makes people's lives better it helps people do achieve things right and that's worth more than just a couple of dollars if you think about it so that is a really good way to frame it, actually. I think it's like, you know, how do you price words on the internet? I'm not even thinking about this, like, in just terms of words. Like, you know, the interesting thing about, like, a Web3 content platform is, like, you know, in, in already on, like, Substack or Medium, like, you can, like, drag and drop, like, videos and images, right? With a Web3 platform, you can do that with, like, NFTs as well, right? So, like, you, you can, like, embed NFTs, like, directly into the content and then just sell NFTs directly to the content, right? Like, theoretically, you can build, like, an entire Zora, like, into Outpost. So then, like, when there's a newsletter, like, that week, you can basically just do a drop as well, right, for, for more people to, you know, incentivize to read for, like, that week. It would be interesting if you added, like, there was, Outpost, like, could become this platform for, like, almost NFT catalogs, right? And, like, where the catalog creator could be, like, you know, uh, takes, like, 2% commission, right, on, on these direct sales, and then you just sell them, you just like escrow them or just approve them like you normally do. And you just like, that'd be interesting because, you know, it's like curation is like the next big thing, right? 
the interesting thing about like having NFTs inside a platform like that is that you know it's cash flow, right? When when you're selling NFTs directly to Alpos, right? You know, Alpos can take take a cut of that as well, right? Jam can can take a cut of that as well, right? It's totally marketing, right? Yeah. Webfit just like kind of like opens up like all these different new mediums of content, just as opposed to words, right? It'll be interesting how like a, a Web3 substack like differs in, from like a normal substack just because of like kind of like the Web3 features that you can just embed in, into the platform itself. I mean, that, that's like what I'm spending kind of some of my time on right now is like you know, working with Sam to kind of figure out like what kind of features can we have in Outpost to, to kind of have, have some more meaningful activity going on inside the platform and into the jamming system. I could totally see a protocol that incentivizes like discovery in this cataloging fashion where, you know, for example, there's this problem of if you're a really good curator, but you're not as well known, other people can kind of copy you. But potentially the uh, way to go around that is you almost like create a claim. It's like a Ponzi scheme of curation. If you're the first person to curate it, you get the largest cut and it kind of flows downwards, right? So even if a popular person discovers your curation and they pin it, it's like, oh, maybe not, maybe yes. Well, it's kind of like the graph model, right? Right. When you're a curator, like your incentivize is to to stake earlier as well, right? So, I think if you could theoretically have like a you know a subgraph that contains like all the different posts on outpost, even right, and you can like be staking to like you know index all that data stored onto the post on outpost, right? So if someone wanted to build a whole new platform, you know, for outpost and like a new UI, like they can just import over you know, all the different posts and publications because we'd be stored on chain and you can just index that you know, using the graph, right? That's kind of one interesting model as well. Yeah. So what else is going on in uh, the universe of Brian Flynn? Yeah, I mean, I'm spending a lot of time on kind of the next version of Rabbit Hole right now, now that the bull market has kind of calmed down a bit. Really kind of the the main goal of Rabbit Hole right now is to how do we transition to like a like a product testing DAO? How can we get you know feedback to, to new products into the ecosystem with quality users who who want want to get feedback on the actual product and you know test drive the platform and reward them properly, right? So we're gonna have a bright ID integration coming out really soon, and it, it will feel like a lot like an on-chain Coinbase earn, right? Where you can actually like interact with new products, kind of like product launch style, and then by by interacting with those contracts, you'll be able to earn sort of the tokens into those ecosystems as well. So, yeah, I mean, th- th- that should be live uh, sometime this month. So it's been been pretty exciting to work on. Nice. This is, it's hard to compare, right? But I don't know, like I, I look at these social tokens and personal tokens that are like, they're like a couple hundred thousand dollar market cap, right? And they're just like really low liquidity. But my rationale is actually, these tokens are like way more meaningful than like tokens from software that no one ever really uses that are still like kind of zombieing around, right? And just like dead. Yeah, you know, RAC recently did one, and like who knows, maybe like it, it slowly like becomes legitimizes. I don't know, like it does as well, like kind of bit like college coins back where like people started forking Bitcoin and trying to create different variety of coins. It was kind of, it does feel like everyone's just like gone out on a limb and created one and done a sale. And then it's like, now now what? What are the second water effects? You know, what are, what are the next iteration cycles that, these things will go on though. This is kind of the interesting thing where, where you know, people are, are keep talking about social tokens, but people who just mint the token, put the liquidity in, and then they say, 
they, they talk about the future all the time. Like this can do this, this, this will be able to do this. This will make, might, might do this, you know? Yeah, I mean? yeah, yeah. But there, there's, there's never a now. There's never like, what can you do now, right? It's usually like access to a telegram, access to a Discord. But what, what can it also do, you know? And uh, so I think that, like, you know, similar to the Outpost files, is like, like once you figure out like what the right templates to like plug these like tokens into, you'll start to have people like, can just like start following like, like a playbook, right? So I'd say like, if you want your, your token to have like you know, some t- initial utility, then just like, you know. It's kind of like meetup, right? Like meetup.coms. It's like, imagine how awkward the first ones would have ever been. Like, are we like supposed to meet up? And oh, like, w- like someone, some, some people are hungry now. It's like, oh shit, like we should get some food, pizza, right? Oh, I'm, I'm like, like, I didn't do gluten. Imagine like the first like 30 meetups ever or 100. It's just like figuring this out of like, okay. And then after the 100, it's like, well, it's, at some point it's kind of like, Okay, like who cleans up, who brings dessert? <laughs> to do a meetup, you need all of these things. You need you need a venue, you need a sponsor to fund this food. It's expensive, or you like pull donations, and then like you have speakers that talk about stuff. Like, don't have more than like you know two speakers speaking for more than like 25, 30 minutes each. It's boring, you know. Like, uh, give shout outs and this this like whole thing, right? Of how to run meetups. I feel like you know these small clubs or tree houses are likely gonna kind of like unfold like how you kind of predict right it's like just templatizing kind of these social norms right yeah i kind of think of it as like early youtube days and like maybe like justin tv or something where it's like you know people just like did like really stupid stuff on them and then there's like they like had this concept of going viral but there was like no way to actually monetize them and once people started figuring out like adsense people started thinking okay well oh i i make money from more ads on the platform so i have to figure out like you know how to have the monetize through adsense and, and then it was like, oh, YouTube is the most popular way to monetize. So I need to push people from my other Instagram mediums to YouTube, right? It, it was like, it was like a lot of like figuring that stuff out for a lot of creators for like a long period of time. But then like once like people started figuring it out, like, you know, people would like, you know, create content on like how to, how to do it and stuff like that, right? And more people follow, right? So I, I think you're just, you just need kind of like the first few social tokens or tree houses you know, to kind of come in and just like kind of demonstrate this, right? And then hopefully what, what Jan will do and, and then... And then be like, oh, like, hey guys, I, I like I figured out like I figured out the right way. Come over here, you know, you know. <laughs> so, a treehouse or club, I'm figuring out how to make more clubs. It's like as the insert just gets deeper, kind of you can go down these crevasses and welcome to the land of insert treehouses. It's like this is how we operate. One of the big problems right now for for social tokens is just like before we were discussing the, the feeling of like permanence and having your own social token, and it's like a really scary feeling. I don't think people realize like when you have a social token, like the price is a really big like psychological thing and like a mental thing. And like more addicting than like checking your like Instagram notifications. There's like a really weird like feedback loop that you get like like people don't like me today, like my price is down, people don't like me. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and then there's like this feeling of rage, right? So it, it's like there's all these like psychological factors where like people just have mental hoops that people can jump through before you know pe- people are ready for like you know, like a permanent price, like attached to like their identity in some capacity, right? It's such a weird feeling <laughs> for myself. Hopefully there will be, um, you know, tools and, and platforms that, that that make this transition and, you know, easier so that you don't have to like, you know, manage liquidity and figure out how to get you know, people into the ecosystem and so on. Do you have any final notes, comments, things you want to share? When is Magic V2? Oh, dude. I, I looked at the token holders the other day, and I think like Alex Management might be like the largest holder. 
Oh, no, outside of a meme, mostly because I think I traded some for him, his, and he didn't realize mine were liquid. And he's like, what? But you know, I, I might revive it for, for some reason. I, I don't want to just be like, this is my personal token. I, I want to like figure out something interesting to do with it. So, do an NFT gallery on Athos. NFT gallery. How would that work? Yeah, you need magic to view it. And then... You need magic to, to access it, yeah, or to view it, yeah. Let's see. And maybe sell some, maybe sell some there. I can sell my own art. I know you've been big into the NFT stuff lately. Yeah, it's fascinating stuff. But anyways, thank you for coming on board with the Dash Podcast. And it's always good to chat. Yeah, it was a blast. Thanks for having me, Peter. If you enjoyed what you listened to and are interested in supporting this podcast, then please follow us on Twitter at Wizard of Dabs. The show notes will be on our website. And if you want to continue the conversation, join our Telegram group. All links will be in the episode description. Thanks for listening.